Jeremy David Schnittman is a research astrophysicist at the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center, where he's focused on theoretical and computational models of black hole accretion flows, ray polar, polar, polar metry, Jeremy, dark matter annihilation. He's been described as a general purpose astrophysics theorist. Welcome, Jeremy. Hi, great to be here. Thanks, George. Excited to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about your personal lives, more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure, sure. So, uh, as you said, I'm a theoretical astrophysicist. Uh, usually, the first question is just what what on what the heck is that? Um, so, a theoretical astrophysicist is somebody who uses physics to study astronomy, to study the stuff in the sky. So. Uh, not to make any comparisons, but the, really the first astrophysicist was Isaac Newton. Everybody knows the famous story. Uh, he saw a, an apple fall and kind of realized that's how gravity works. So what, what Newton was doing there was he was taking the laws of physics as we understand on Earth by seeing how an apple falls and how gravity works and then applies it to things in space. How does the moon go around the earth? How does the earth go around the sun? Uh, which was, you know, just incredible. It was, it was an incredible breakthrough at the time to, to realize that we can understand the universe just by, by staying, um, staying right here on earth and, and doing, uh, doing experiments in the laboratory, et cetera. And of course, it's the more you can, the more you can measure and, and observe the stars and, the galaxies and the asteroids, all that stuff, it, it helps you, but still ultimately you're basing everything you understand and everything you know based on physics that we learn on Earth. So that's what an astrophysicist is. Uh, uh, Newton, Isaac Newton is an astrophysicist. Uh, a theoretical astrophysicist, uh, which Isaac Newton was also to, to, to the most for the most part, is somebody who does, again, mostly theoretical work, does uh, equations, pencil, paper, computer simulations, that sort of thing, as opposed to using a telescope, uh, right? I, I maybe once used a telescope, um, so uh, I don't use the Hubble Space Telescope, I don't use the James Webb Space Telescope, but I work with people who do, so they use those telescopes, they get the data, they measure distances, temperatures, uh, velocities, all the things that we need to know about uh, what is going on in outer space. And then I try to understand why it's going on. So I'm trying to figure out the kind of the why and what ifs of, of astrophysics and astronomy. And so that's all right. So that's what a theoretical astrophysicist is. And then uh, more specifically, I mostly work on questions about black holes in gravitational waves, um, X-rays, accretion disks, that sort of thing. Those are all, all more or less have to do with black holes. Black holes is really my, my lane. Um, and I mean, they're, they're just really cool, fascinating things that, um, I'm really blessed that I'm, I'm able to, you know, to do that for a living. Very cool. So, you are trying to figure out the whys and the what ifs. How do you 
are you concerned that you're that you're never going to answer those questions? And how do you know that you've done a good job today? Yeah, right. Uh, I had a, a famous astrophysicist once said he had a great line. He said that a um, an observer, i.e., like an experimentalist, you know, our our version of an experimentalist has to be right every time. Right? They can't you know, make mistakes when they do measurements. But a theorist only has to be right once. You have to make one prediction that comes true and you basically make a name for yourself. So, you know, over the the course of about 20 years in the field so far, I've made a, uh, a handful of, I think, interesting predictions, uh, none of which have yet quite been proven but I don't think they've been proven wrong yet either. Um, so it'll, you know, I'll certainly know that I had a, had a good day and that I did a good job when one of those predictions uh, comes true. So I'll I'll give you a quick a quick example of one that we we think might actually be um, proven either right or wrong very soon. It's with uh, we made a prediction about ten years ago about how x-rays should look from black holes right you have gas that orbits around a black hole it gets very hot it shines off the x-rays now that's been known for 50 years uh the detail that we said is that the polarization kind of which way the light is angled just like your polarized sunglasses kind of can help protect glare from from light shining off of the road or from the water, or whatever, uh, X-rays that are shining off of the gas from a black hole are going to be kind of polarized in a certain way. So we made a prediction of how those, uh, those X-rays are going to be polarized. Uh, it's a very difficult measurement to make though. In fact, they just last year launched a new satellite from NASA that can really for the first time measure that that polarization that property of x-rays from black holes and they've now looked at a, a few black holes that should be exhibiting this property and now we just have to kind of sort through the data and understand whether or not the prediction is 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 proven so that that's exciting that that would be a good day yeah fascinating so we talked about newton the the apple falls from the tree he then observes his observable environment and makes assumptions about what then the whole space and and the galaxies and the universes are are, are like do you as 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 you are doing your work how worried are you or how thoughtful are you about your assumptions and assumptions of the past and what you're bringing with you and looking at new data yeah, that's a good question because it's, you know, in the hundreds of years since Newton, it gets, you know, kind of getting harder and harder to really anchor those understandings. We can't make a we can't make a black hole in the lab, at least not yet. Um, so we have to rely a lot on our our math and our confidence that the math is right. So. Uh, so this is something that really the the next generation after Newton, which is which is Einstein, Albert Einstein, really um, pioneered this approach. And you know, intellectually, he's absolutely my my role model of how to how to go about these sort of questions. So he 
starts off with kind of some basic physics intuition, like nothing goes faster than the speed of light. Um, and then he just starts asking questions like, in fact, some my my 10-year-old son, when he was riding in the car with a bunch of his friends, you know, literally asked this question, you know, what happens when you're in the Millennium Falcon and you fire your, you know, your laser guns and you're going the speed of light? Like, don't you crash into it? I almost drove off the road. I was like, that's such a good question, guys. Let me tell you all about it. You know, because because this is this is essentially what Einstein was asking. He he started with this very simple assumption that 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 you can't go faster than the speed of light and that light always goes exactly the speed of light. And then he kind of took it where it went, you know, well, what happens if this happens? And what happens if you do this? And then what happens if you have someone going the other way and shooting a laser the other way? And he got to the point where the only way to really answer these questions was through equations and math because we couldn't do experiments. But then in the hundred years since Einstein made a lot of those predictions and, and derived a lot of those formulas, bit by bit, we actually are able to test a lot of those things. We are able to test a lot of his predictions from relativity. And you know, it's it's amazing. A hundred years later, he's still got a perfect record. You know, every single one of those predictions from relativity has come true. Um, so, you know, if if somebody's equation predicts A, B, and C, and I can go out and measure A and B, and and they're right, then I'm you know fairly certain that C is going to be right, even if we can't measure it. So that's really the the faith that we've got built up in in these equations, because everywhere we look, where they do apply. And we can measure them; they work. Fascinating. Can you? Can we actually see black holes, or are we making assumptions and inferences as to what they look like? Yeah. So a, a pure black hole is black. You really wouldn't be able to see it. It would, you know, really would be black. Um, fortunately, nothing else in the universe is black. So. Uh, even if you had a black hole, there's enough kind of background light behind it that you'd see a shadow. So you actually would, you know, are you seeing the shadow? Or are you seeing the light? I don't know. That That's a little too esoteric, but you would see that something's there. Um, just like, I guess, in real life, do you see the shadow or do you see the light? I don't yeah. know. Um, but even more so, we see a lot of times we see the gas or stars or planets that are moving around the black hole. So we see very, very strong evidence that that um, that there is something there, that there's something that's moving the gas or moving the stars around it, and oftentimes moving them at, at prodigious speeds, uh, which could really only be accomplished by something as powerful as a black hole. Do you ever get stumped or are you always sort of stumped? <laughs> oh my gosh, all the time. Computers. I, every time I have to install a new program or run a new app on a computer, I get stumped. Even though I spend literally all day in front of a computer doing com writing computer programs, doing computer simulations, it's still, you know, it's it's, it's hard, right? You know, um the uh, the libraries aren't in the right place. The directories aren't working. This is the kind of thing that uh, I struggle with every day. Yeah, I appreciate that. 
In terms of, um, for lack of a better term, your professional work, when you're looking at something, how how often are you um, ideating with other astrophysicists or other people? Yeah, um, a, a lot. Um, I would say in the in the grand scheme of things, like across the whole field, I'm definitely more towards the end of the solo practitioner. Um, but even so, most of my papers are in collaboration with at least a, a couple other people. Uh, I do like to to just talk ideas, bounce them off the walls. We um, today I'm at my home office, but uh, when I'm in 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 work at the Goddard Space Flight Center, you know, all the all the offices are open and people just go up and down the halls, bouncing ideas off of the chalkboard. Um, which is really, really a, f- a fruitful endeavor. So we, we we have to we have to talk to each other, or else we'd just be in a vacuum, a, an unintentional vacuum. Sure. <laughs> How often do you literally just stare off into space? I I, I know that you said that you don't look through. Um, telescopes but just give yourself kind of blank time to think about things yeah um well in terms of really staring off to space for thinking about things that's uh a lot when just you know trying to fall asleep at night these are the ideas that are bouncing around my head even sometimes waking up in the middle of the night i'll be thinking about a physics problem um staring off into literal space also whenever i get the chance i mean um the last few mornings go out early in the morning it's still dark out i see the crescent moon you know just above the horizon it's uh you know it's not my research but it's it's still a big part of my life and it's exciting and it's it's always interesting and um inspirational when you when you see those things in the sky for sure do you think it, it, it just it's we're all different and our perspectives are different and we've got liberals and we've got conservatives and there's probably equivalence to that in in your world. So it is I, I was just curious. I guess my question is, how how cooperative are you? I, I know we talked about ideating and sharing ideas with people, but just in maybe the field in general, how 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 cooperative are you with other people that are outside of your maybe laboratory? Um, yeah, we certainly have a lot of uh, collaborations with other institutions, a lot of universities. You know, at, we work for the government, but you know, it very much is an, an academic setting. Then, but then within the academic world, as you probably know, there are you know old rivalries and uh, nemeses, and you know there's the guy that you know said my paper was wrong 50 years ago, and every time I see him at a conference, I'm gonna you know walk away. So there is a little bit of that kind of uh, you know I, I would call childish behavior, but for the most part, um, you know that's what what's great about science is. Uh, especially in a place like like astrophysics, where at least for now it's really not very politically charged, um, the, the there really is a pretty good uh, consensus when something is right and something is wrong, or when something is still kind of up for grabs. Um, and 
And if two people disagree on the maybe the interpretation of a certain observation or prediction, they may disagree on, on it now, but they will almost always agree that like, yes, if we could do this one other measurement, that would solve the question. And that's um, that's actually a really nice feeling because that tells you that you're not you're not necessarily stuck in a in a lifetime argument, right? We're just stuck in a certain temporary state of of confusion, and we know basically what to do to get out of that state. So that's um, you know I I really appreciate that because that's a luxury that that really most people don't have, um, you know, in terms of whatever moral or philosophical quandaries. What do you think makes for a good astrophysicist? Uh, number one, curiosity. Uh, that's something that I think everyone really starts off with. And it's just a question of whether it gets beaten out of them or whether they can nurture it long enough to, uh, you know, let it be, you know, survive any, any sort of cynicism that the world throws at it. Uh, so that's one of the reasons my, one of my favorite audiences is like elementary school kids. I always go into um, third, fourth graders every year at our local school, love talking to them about space because they just, I mean, they just eat it up. They're they're so curious and, and they really have so many good questions like the, you know, like the spaceship firing the laser, really, really good questions. Um, and, uh, you know, the, all of them, all of them could be astrophysicists. I mean, a little bit more practical advice is you, you do need to know a fair bit of math and, um, you know, take your physics classes and do well in school and all that. But uh, I think all that, you, you know, you can kind of wing it, but it's the curiosity that that's the basis for everything. It's fascinating. I was wondering, I, I, I know that you're a writer as well and you're 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 educating people and talking to your kids about it so it's uh, creativity plays a role in it you talked about curiosity um do you consider yourself to be a creative person oh yeah absolutely um i in you know outside of uh outside of, of my professional life i also do a lot of uh woodworking um uh, that's a, a very different but you know, equally satisfying creative endeavor. I like to, you know, I like to make up my own plans and my own designs, which kind of work sometimes. Sometimes they need to be tweaked. Um, so even though I never, you know, I don't actually work in a lab or work with instruments, that's a great way of, you know, expressing my creativity a little bit differently. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting. I think it makes sense um, that you would want to and find enjoyment and value in actually putting your hands on something and, 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 and shaping something versus the other stuff that I have absolutely no idea what you really do during the day. <laughs> I think it was kind that you said that anybody could be an astrophysicist, but I'm confident that I could not be Jeremy, but that's okay. Well, any third grader could be. Okay. There you go. <laughs> what do you, uh, hmm. Are the things that you wish that that or would encourage people to think about more or 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 look more into? Um, 
Well, yeah, I mean, any anytime you read an article online that, you know, kind of interesting, you you know, you clicked on it for whatever reason, oh, black hole, that's some kind of interesting. Um, I encourage you to, to then do do another click, you know, either click on a link that's in the article, just always just go one step further. Um, because there's always an, either another part to the story or another piece of the background. Um, this is the the great uh, blessing, but potential trap of, of Wikipedia, right? You know, we all talk about the Wikipedia rabbit hole, but that's, you know, that's science. That's you just, you read one thing and it gets your interest, your curiosity up about another thing. So you go click on that other thing and then you go down that um, and, you know, it, it takes you down this wonderful, you know, wonderful rabbit hole. Let's not forget, right, the the real rabbit hole from uh, Alice in Wonderland is, was a magical, magical rabbit hole. And um, we shouldn't be afraid of them. I like it. One more question, Jeremy. What are aliens like? <laughs> Sorry, you're, I'm, I'm not authorized to answer that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you and your work? Um, I guess Google, right? There's only one Jeremy Schnittman. Uh, all of my contact information is readily available for anyone who's curious. Please, uh, the crackpots can stay away. But uh, if you if you are curious, you have questions about black holes, um, you know, send me an email. I hope I can respond. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Jeremy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Look up Jeremy Schnittman. It's Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, David, S-C-H-N-I-T-T-M-A-N, and educate yourself a little bit more about this fascinating field and the work that Jeremy is doing because it is all very fascinating, obviously. I don't even think we scratched the surface, but um, so much more to learn. And I really appreciate your time. Thanks again, Jeremy. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, George. Till next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.